Hey everybody, welcome to our show, Good Question. This is where we hang out and try our best to, you know, answer your questions as they come in. My name is Curtis Childs, and I'll be hosting just for this show, and I'm joined <laughs> by an amazing panel. On my left, we have Clara Dom, Latin consultant for the yeah. NCE, which is a New Century Edition translation of the Theological Worship of Winners And then, to her left, is Chelsea Odner, writer for Swedenborgian Life, production manager for the Off the Left Eye channel. And, I'm not gonna forget, we actually have another panel member who's off in outer space, in, in the internet. <laughs> and her name is Karin Childs, and she is writer for Swedenborgian Life, mm -hmm. among many other things for Off the Left Eye. Hey, Karin. Hello, everybody. I'm happy to be here. All right. Well, so glad that all of you could join and that all of you at home could join as well, because I think you know by now, hopefully, how the game works. You're in the chat room. We would love it if you would write what's on your mind and like preferably in a Swedenborgy direction. What are your questions about sure. the spiritual side of life? And <clears throat> what would you love to hear a couple of people who have been immersed in this Swedenborg thing uh, talk about, That's and then we uh, and we want to hear what's on your mind. Because for, uh, for us to do this channel and, and try to produce things, we're always looking to try to get a sense of what matters to people. So let's, let's instead of tell, let's show, we're going to answer a question <laughs> right now after you like and subscribe. We have to wait. Once we get to 80,000 subscribers, we'll start the show. <laughs> Liking and subscribing is your way to vote for the content and to push us out into YouTube, and it's what matters. Okay, so let's take a look at our very first one. When God created Earth, he, did he intend for there to be predators and prey? Or was that just how evolution turned out? What is the correspondence oh, of predator mm, and prey? So we'll start mm, easy here, mm, right? Mm -hmm. Just kind of solve the whole tension between, um, you know, nature and science and the yeah. religious and the current understanding of evolution. Uh, and I definitely have some thoughts about this. Um, was anybody else uh, moved by this question? I feel like it's your thing. Yeah, okay, well, okay. <laughs> Take it away. This is not a very satisfying area for me in Swedenborg um, mm -hmm. because Swedenborg seems to assert that everything that is predatory and harmful, mm -hmm. he, well, so there's always the two sides of each correspondence. He'll talk about lions and that lions can be a very good sure. correspondence. They can represent the Lord or they can also represent uh, evil and, and fierce emotions and that you have to tame before you can get the lamb in there. But also he will go as far to say things like certain creatures communicate with hell. He'll talk about the little predatory um, sort of antagonistic uh, organisms interacting with hell and but i happen to know that when uh, people are studying evolution that some of the oldest fossils <clears throat> are of spiders so like there's been predation he, he swedenborg seems to yeah. describe a world in which uh, things were okay and then hell came into it but the fossil record seems to show a world in which predator and prey has been going like forever uh there's plenty of this is me like barely understanding either of those things. So sure. there's plenty of wiggle room where it could be that things aren't happening directly in sequence. Like it's not what happened in the, in the heaven and hell human race then shows up chronologically on earth. It could be that because all time is present for the Lord, seeing those things. But there is a little bit of a problem there as far as how it starts out. Um, it, I just mentioned that because it says, is that mm. just how evolution turned, turned out? out yeah. um, really the question is on predator and prey now. It does seem like uh, it's not the ideal, but yet it it corresponds to what does go on in the whole heaven and hell realm. So that's where I want to yeah, start. Yeah, I think about um, how Swedenborg does talk about how 
the Lord needed to create the physical universe with laws so it would run on its own design, you know, and sort of sustain itself that way. And Swedenborg writes, he gives that analogy that if every seed that every flower created grew into a plant, we would have a serious plant problem. Mm -hmm. Like you need things to die. But I sort of see it as sort of providence that when things, it's, death is inevitable for everything in the physical world, yeah. but that's not, uh, but there is eternal life going on. And so um, even, uh, so sort of there's a functional design for, th for there to be this predator prey dynamic going on that actually helps sustain life. It isn't about destroying, you know, it's sad. Yeah. I was watching some nature show with my kids the other day and it was like, I really wanted this this ostrich to get away from the the lions or whatever that were attacking it, but it was a young ostrich and the lions got it and it was like so sad to see it get taken down. And yet it's like the lions need to eat. And yeah. so I do think there's something um we we put that language on it, predator and prey, but there's also it's, you know, the cycle of life and sort of the the humility it, it almost just presents to us the tenderness and vulnerability of the natural world that it's serving something greater than itself. You know, it's yeah. gotta be that there's this beautiful cycle that, mm -hmm. and actually by the birth of new generations of animals every year, if we if we appreciated that more, you know, I sort of feel like we take it for granted, but yeah. like, so there is really something beautiful to appreciate within that dynamic where you have these animals that really need to live off of each other. Um, and we're all getting to share this world together. Yeah. Car? It's not quite on topic, but what comes yeah. to mind for me is what I know of Swedenborg saying about animals. He does talk about the evil, evil animals, which yeah. tend to be those predators. And then he talks about useful animals, yeah. which are like domesticated. Domesticated animals seems yeah. to be like the cows and the mm -hmm. things around the farmyard and everything. And... Um, so and also in plants, he talks about evil plants like uh, prickers and poisonous sure. things, and yeah. then noble plants, okay. uh, which are you know fruit-bearing trees or uh, again things that serve a use. So that's just interesting terminology because, as Chelsea points out, the ostrich being killed is also serving a use. So yeah. <laughs> even <laughs> though from the I'm human saying. view it looks like a sad one. That's yeah. Awesome. It, oh, I was going to offer more thoughts, but I forgot. We got to see what Karen's coming up with. So, Karen, what do you what do you think about this whole thing? Well, Swedenborg says that the original way that the human mind worked was completely differently different than it is today, and the world that's created around us corresponds to all sorts of things that go on in the mind. And so, my theory is that original creation worked very differently than it does today, just like the human mind works very differently and even the human body works differently. And so I, my personal belief is there weren't predators and prey in the beginning, <laughs> that everything, that things worked differently and there were, would have been different ways to keep everything in, in balance. But when um, the human mind became corrupted, that just invited more of hell and into the world. And so that would have been changing the way nature worked too. And I think brought about this um, dynamic that includes violence and, and feeding on each other. And God brings good out of everything. So would have um, 
provided that there is this new balance that comes out of it, like Chelsea was talking about. Um, but I think that's different than the way things were in the beginning, because if, if uh, animals correspond to thoughts and emotions, um, you know, if there weren't any violent emotions <laughs> and violent thoughts, um, then there wouldn't be violent animals, I think. Um, that's, that's my theory. And I love the prophecy in the Bible that talks about the, that the, the wolf will lie down with the lamb and the lot, you know, has this beautiful text in Isaiah about these predatory animals lying down and feeding with the prey animals instead of on them. And I just think that that's corresponding to uh return to the right order of the, of the way people are and think and, and act. And I would think that would play out in physical nature too, that things would change and there would be a new way to have um, balance again. So I think the way things are in nature right now, my personal feeling is it's a permission that there is violence. <laughs> so it's my theory. Great. Can I see the question one more time? I'm just thinking like it was sort of a multi-parter. Um, mm -hmm. So when God, I, I love what all the sort of the different ways we're coming at it. When God created earth, did he intend for there to be predators and prey? Or is that just how evolution turned out? What is the correspondence of predator and prey? Yeah, so the yeah, the correspondence I think we were we were answering. It's it's strange. Sometimes it, it's almost like things that are seeming disruptive and violent in the world have a pretty benign correspondence. Like what he, in, he'll talk about something being killed and eaten just means you you learn that affection or something like mm -hmm. that. So it's interesting that that those can somehow uh, represent each other. Um, but then I also wonder though if there's a spiritual backing for something like that because I've often wondered about. You, you see in like a nature documentary and we're trying to i was trying to watch some with my daughter she's getting to be three now so she like we can't watch anything we just skip every yeah. scene <laughs> yeah yeah because it's like no i have to look for like okay what's a like underwater one where it's not going to really seem like anything's eating anything it's harsh yeah <laughs> and and um but aren't don't we learn from near-death experiences that people who go through really extreme things often report, no, I wasn't even in my body at the time. Yeah. I didn't mm -hmm. feel anything. Mm -hmm. Is that how it is for animals as well? Right. You know, is it like, because why would they suffer through it, but human beings don't? So is it is it spiritually, what seems horrendous physically isn't actually on the, the psychological level? I don't know. Like I said, I don't feel like there's like, oh, this this really good Swedenborg, great answer for this whole thing. Well, then it's all in divine providence. It's all in but divine that's providence. Sort of <laughs> no, and, and that's where we'll leave it. Okay. So that that is a, the definition of a good question because yes. it's it's on the frontier of our knowledge here. Yes. So and we're stumped. We're stumped. Okay. So thanks so much. Let's see what happens next. Next question. Ryan Brown asks, our spirit guides seem to have the ability to orchestrate events, arrange synchronicities, manifest external signs and clues. The Swedenborg discuss this apparent capacity hmm. for direct intervention. Mm -hmm. So here you have people experiencing things and people sharing these kinds of experiences in the modern world. And then you have mm -hmm. Swedenborg's sort of isolated series of really, really extensive series, but one person's experience with how the spiritual and physical worlds interface. Uh, can those kinds of things like he described, you know, communicate with the way Swedenborg saw the world? And did Swedenborg ever have something like that? So, um, yeah, I feel like I just lost what, how the question ended. Yeah. So um, can we put it back up? It's yeah. 
<clears throat> this week okay. we discussed yeah. this apparent capacity for direct intervention. You know, are they ever trying to talk to us someplace other than the thoughts and feelings? Yeah, I do. I do think there's something about, you know, uh, we discuss sometimes about how in Swedenborg's terms, like evil spirits have this capacity to be louder in our heads because mm-hmm. we are our focus can be on the world and how things appear and then so we hear them that way and and angels and and evil spirits also have this desire to um really want to try to get something out of us you know so there's there's that effort there whereas angels are totally present wanting to support us in every way but have way more respect for our free will and um and i feel like those sorts of spirit guide synchronicities and that sort of a thing always have that element of free will still there. So I totally think that angels are always wanting to, uh, uh, you know, be, be present or, or have ways of communicating. And it's hard for me to say whether it's angels or the Lord or, you know, cause it's all sort of together of just like the divine presence that's wanting to support us. But there's sort of a level of our willingness to accept it for what it, that is, you know, or see it that way. And we can always, you know, we have that choice, but I feel like there is, um, uh, there still is that element of free will that's maintained, even if um, there's that potential there. Right, for that direct, yeah, Carl, what, what do you think? Uh, well, I'm, I'm remembering that Swedenborg said, um, in talking about the Bible story stories where like the the mm. legion or something, whoever it is that's possessed mm-hmm. by a thousand devils or something. Yeah. And Swedenborg talks about how no longer, he says, are people possessed in that kind of way. And I'm so I, th- that thought came to mind because I'm thinking of the the spirits getting right into people's bodies, which yeah. he says doesn't happen, although it seems like people in the world deal with that kind of sort of feeling like they're taken over um so direct intervention is where i'm (laughs) going with this um i feel like there's language in there and i'm 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 not having any clear uh thoughts about where i've seen it but that but there's a protection against them really being like even knowing okay i'm on curtis and yeah. i'm gonna get curtis childs to do sure. so and yeah. so like there's some kind of separation or or, or like boundaries a, or something like, oh i'm on curtis uh, <laughs> 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 i couldn't get an upgrade but yeah no i he, he are you do you are you thinking i know what you're talking about okay. well you're talking about like inward possession versus external possession i guess i, I just <clears throat> yeah i just feel like there's some there's meant to be some boundaries there, so they can't get directly at us. I don't know. Yeah, and so oh, oh, I was going to offer more thoughts, but instead I want to kick it first to Karen, see what <laughs> she has to say. Uh, so, Karen, what are you thinking about this so far? Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. I'm completely understanding the question, but just building on what Chelsea and Kara have been saying, I, I definitely just, I'm always thinking in terms of divine providence over it all. So. Um, divine providence makes sure that we're always in freedom, that we're not being controlled by spirits. Um, what I remember about the issue of possession is there can only be internal possession today, which means if somebody invites, you know, by a freely chosen life of <laughs> actions that invite demons, then eventually the demons are really uh, calling the shots. But 
just in general that um, divine providence is over everything and all these interesting synchronicities that happen. Um, and divine providence uses this, this amazing uh, network that we're in that we, we through our free will are kind of uh, interacting with, attracting this, re resisting that, attracting this. <laughs> and so it's this uh, very complex dynamic. Um, so definitely spirits and angels are involved in everything we do, but, but I don't feel that like they can call the shots. We are, we are in charge from our own freedom and from the Lord's providence um, overseeing it all. So I, I like to think in terms of like God is in charge, notice things that are happening, but um, we each can make our own um, free choice about how to respond and what to go towards and what to go away from. Yeah, and I mean, it seems like the kinds of things that, that are being described in the question, you know, you certainly could say, well, is that really what I think it is? Um, a couple of principles came right. to mind, like where, do, uh, it seems like some of the spirit behind this question is, can, can there be a direct uh, impact, that direct, of the spiritual world on the physical world? Two things I thought of is when we once did a show about providence and luck, and Swedenborg was able to see these clouds above people's heads. And if it was a dark cloud, they were playing dice and they would lose at dice. If it was a bright cloud, they would win at dice. So that seems to show, hmm. he mentioned, uh, can you pull that question back up? He mentioned um, uh, directing event, orchestrating events, arranging synchronicities. I mean, that seems like whatever force, I don't know if that's directly the spirit guides or something right. that's more in the background noise of how the spiritual world works, but whatever was getting those clouds there, whatever Swedenborg was tapping into, to be able to see that, that was one thing. Um, and then, but manifest external signs and clues, because I know this is big, because we got a lot of people saying, like, I, you know, there's somebody that I lost that I love, and, and I always sort of associated them with butterflies, and then the next day there was a butterfly that flew mm -hmm. in just a certain way. Um, you know, it, it could well, I, I think it could be. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, Swedenborg does, when we think about synchronicities, uh, orchestrated events, how much of that is us noticing something at the right time? When people will say, I noticed the clock when it was at a certain time. Mm -hmm. And Swedenborg does describe, I remember a story in a negative sense, where spirits were trying to get him to notice things that were disturbing around him. So it certainly seemed like they could direct his, you know, have an influence on his attention, you know, maybe not for a sustained period, so his freedom was okay. But I think in a positive sense, could you have some sort of angelic influence helping you to notice something. Well, we certainly accept that you could have that helping us to think a certain way about mm -hmm. something or react to something in a certain way. So mm -hmm. it could be, and it, it's an, you know that those are all the thoughts I have. But I do think it's an important bridge to cross because it seems like so much of the current zeitgeist around the interaction with spirit guides and things is these things play a big role. These synchronicities and and, and that's that whole like thing about being t testing the spirits or whatever is the is like they're. That, you know, there is that language of spirit guides, but that um, angels are really wanting the Lord's will, you know, so they're just sort of like, whatever the Lord's will, I want to serve that. However, that, uh, you know, I haven't ex experienced life on earth from the other side, so I don't know, but like, however that ends up playing out as being like guardian angels or sp angels present with a person and that sort of thing. But, um, but Swedenborg talks about, you know, this huge middle ground of spirits where there might be perfectly good people, but they're not—they're not angels yet, and they—they uh, have—they can have a will that is actually in conflict with the Lord's will. You know, like in in our how to mm. how to develop true intuition or that show. There was this like I love that point of how um, 
you know, learning how to understand how the spirits or communicating with spirits and having that kind of connection, that's not like a yay, huge deal because like the the real sort of um, uh, strength or ability is to discern the difference between spirits that are that are angelic and looking towards the Lord's will and spirits that are maybe perfectly good but have sort of a mixed intention. And so in that case, they might be having this will to direct how things go or communicate in a certain way, but you don't necessarily know their intentions and you don't want to just, you know, so I do think there's, everybody is their will and these, whether we're conscious of it or not, these wills are playing out. Um, and, and so I think there might be a will to orchestrate things or to create mm. signs or to do all those things that the person asked about. But like Karen was saying, our, the Lord does everything to protect our free will. And the more we learn about that, the more we can just because we might see something or have some sort of experience that doesn't determine everything for us. You know, we can still have that power to resist or turn another way or whatever. Yeah. Well, so there you go. I think that's a good, <laughs> good cross-section of different ways to interpret it. And I love the idea of you know, take, take what people are feeling and experiencing now and like, how, where, how do we interface that with what we're yeah. doing here. So thanks so much for the question. Let's take a look at the next one. Kendall M. asks, Kendall. hey Kendall, I can tell. we <laughs> saw you just a little while ago. Why does Swedenborg believe we need to go through this physical separation from God? What's to be gained? And isn't mm. that the question we ask ourselves all the time at early in the morning? You know, like, <laughs> why are we slogging through this? Mm. What, and uh, and is it re- whatever it is, it's got to be worth a lot because this is a pretty rough go of things being here. Yeah. So what, what are we, uh, what's the point? Um, continuing on the riff I was just having where it brings to mind that um, what's to be gained is our ability to be ourselves in Mm -hmm. God and um, so Swedenborg talks about how if if spirits haven't or if people haven't gotten through this process of reformation that we get to go through in this world where we have this choice that um, then in the other life we just could get so pushed one way, pushed another way by the spirits. We don't know. We can just, he, ta- he gives some analogy, I think, of just like a boat in a storm. Like you're just at the mercy of these waves pushing you in different directions. But this develop this, when we turn to the Lord and we go through this process of repentance and reformation, then we really are becoming ourselves in the Lord. And that means developing this kind of boundary of understanding who we are in God. And that can't happen apart from or that can only happen in the world when we first think of ourselves as separate from God, but then we develop that individuality. Right. Yeah. So, so uh, one thing I think of is this, the physical world is not perfectly designed for us to be happy all the time. It's not perfectly designed to have comfort and reassurance. It is perfectly designed to allow us to become a certain person through choice. Mm -hmm. That all the, the barriers are there. Even does God exist? Does God not exist? That that is healthily up for debate. That, you, that within this matrix, we can really uh, seek out for ourselves and and see in sort of an even with even playing field what what um, harmful and and helpful things are and gravitate towards because you're sort of born a person, but you didn't really choose it. I mean, all the tendencies that we get, the things we're drawn towards, the, the stuff that makes us up, this was just kind of here and came. But the, the spiritual us, this, this physical existence allows us the chance to uh, 
you know, build this spiritual us that really happens in this freedom. It's almost like one of those um, big old balls where there's a, there's a bunch of wires and a harness in the middle so that no matter how the big ball is bouncing around, the little one can stay steady and you could like roll down a mountain. And these are real things, I think. <laughs> but, um, but it's kind of like so that the, the, the events of this world can shift around. But in there, we are like through this really complicated um, uh, dance that God and us are doing, and we're not even always aware we're doing it. We are. God is like every day is just showing us a little bit about. Okay, do you want this thing or not want this thing? Even if we don't understand that's all, how it's working, we're pushing that away, and and eventually it's basically the medium that allows God to free us from the negative things and and put us in a in a place, mm-hmm. which. Is well, it's only worth it if, if you think about eternity and you think about yeah, that. It this, really is the stuff that you, the stuff that, and I have to remind myself of that because life is so um, obnoxious. And but yet, there's no ratio between what's finite and what's infinite. So if we can really lay the right groundwork here, if we believe that these are the right conditions, okay, okay, right. Let's just know. Let's just do it, and then we'll see exactly why. But, Cara, did you have any? Yeah, physical separation from God. I'm just looking at that question. Um, I'm thinking about the uh, what what constitutes divine love, which is this um, wanting to love someone outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. So God, sure, He could fill up the universe with just Him, but unless there's somebody outside there to have a relation, someone different, someone separate um, to have a relationship with, then it's um, as someone that is choosing freely to have the relationship yeah. with mm-hmm. God, then I don't know. It's just like a big amorphous something. No, nothing happened. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, um, yeah, to become ourselves and to have the choice to opt in to the relationship with God instead of just God having us all like running around, like in the. Um, uh, the Nutcracker Suite, you know, the the huge person with a gigantic skirt. Yes. There's all these billions of kids underneath the gigantic skirt. Yes. <laughs> Is that in Fantasia? I don't know if I've seen that. No, that's in the Nutcracker. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so rather than that, where we're all just running around inside, sort of not having our own existence, we're outside of <laughs> him choosing of to to meet up with him on the other side, kind of. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, there you go. So, current uh, other thoughts. Um, there can be this, uh, you know, there can be a very downside to a feeling of separateness, but also there's this beautifulness to feeling separate from someone else so that you can do something for them, give something to them, receive love from them. So this is kind of building on what you guys were saying that, um, the, we are supposed to, we are created to be able to develop a selfhood so that we can have the joy of relationship with God and with each other. And, you know, things on earth got way worse than (laughs) because humanity um, took a really bad turn with the selfhood. Um, And so it's, it's a really rough time we're going through, but uh, just collectively, which makes all our individual journeys pretty rough too. Um, But one thing I think about is, Two things, just the story of the prodigal son in the Bible, and also just the phenomenon of growing up from an infant into an adult. And we, you know, in growing up, we go through adolescence, and and it's a pretty rough, crazy time. But 
you know you it, it couldn't work without that because that's the time you're you're just developing your own ability to you know wouldn't work to stay in the bliss of childhood because you have to create a self that makes your own decisions so that you then can in as you become an adult choose freely um, how to have relationships and and interact with people and all that so that rough time is really uh, important it it wouldn't have to be you know it could be less terrible than we are we go through um, in in human situations um, the way earth is now but uh, but it's very uh, necessary and the story of the prodigal son as far as why would it be allowed maybe I could put it that way like um, we we need to develop develop a selfhood it wouldn't necessarily have have to have been this bad <laughs> I mean this the the pits of despair we can get into but but we but something but God can bring good out of it because the story of the prodigal son it was through leaving his father's house and going and making a total mess of his his life and feeling alone and everything that inspired him to want to come back and what he learned um, made him so open to uh, starting this new relationship with his father in the story <clears throat> and so out of that going so far separate can come a you know a, a realization of how much you need to reconnect and that could only happen in a freely chosen way deciding for ourselves by experiencing what it feels like to be you know alone or, or separate from or apparently separate from our creator so i think that's the good that can come out of it yeah well, thinking about um, like a person growing got me pondering sort of the sacred or love side of separation. If you look at the human body, there's mm. even though it's so it's a model of heaven, it's so interconnected. Every it's all love in there. There's separation through everything, and that's the only reason it can work. You have yeah. to have all of these membranes, and even down to the little cell walls. And if one compartment opens up into another one, we've got a serious problem. So even though there's there's this closeness, like you wouldn't believe, and everything is, is living off each other and contributing to each other, yet there's this separation too. And I think of, the, awesome. I was thinking of, you know, um, baby developing in the womb and it's like you you think like when the baby is in there you'd love to just like i want to look at it right now and hold it but you have to have this visual separation it's got to be in somewhere where there's this not light and you you can't check up on it you know without a lot of technology so it's like there's this separateness is part of development in everything so there's got to there's we can take heart in that as we look at okay we're in some kind of there's some kind of membrane here mm -hmm. between us and god but membranes uh, even though they they can stunt some of our desire, they, they do good, a lot of good things, and yeah. so this one must be doing something equally good. Yeah, that's awesome. I do I do think um, uh, if I can tack another thought on, it's just like it makes me think of. Um, I I feel like I'm often drawn to think about these questions in terms of different levels of ourselves because I think I've just been so helped with like we feel like life is just this long embodied separation from God and that after death then we are no longer separated or something but I feel like it's really um, there's one level of our consciousness that is acutely aware of our separateness for a useful purpose but that's why there's just been you know the 
centuries or millennia of of practices of sort of turning inward or lifting your consciousness to an inner level or having mindfulness or meditation, which which really is coming into a sense of the connection and the presence that is just always right there all the time. And so like, and it's just fascinating to witness your own thoughts that you can, you know, I can live through a part of my day and feel totally separate or caught up in all these different things. And then like one moment I'm able to become really present in a way. And then there's no, I'm experiencing this physical life, but there's no real separation, you know, like the, the beauty and the love and the, you know, everything is just right here. Um, all the time, there's such a fullness to that. So there's, it's just an interesting thing that there's just, there are these levels to our consciousness and how they play out in our, in our physical life on earth. It's fascinating. So we may not be as separate as it, as we sometimes think. (laughs) And, uh, that brings us to our halftime for this episode. (laughs) And we have a cool, (laughs) yeah, we have a cool, um, uh, piece of art that I want to interact with here. This was sent to us by our good friend of the show, Mary Richards. Hey, Mary, if you're watching. And she had actually got, you know, had an incident where she was in the hospital recently. She's out now and doing better. But surrounding that experience, she drew a picture that she sent to us and Mm. wanted to share. So I want us all to take a look at it here. Um, And it's got some very, uh, you know, spiritual themes to it um and she wrote to us this caption and i'd love to get all of your thoughts on on your reaction to it she said this is a picture i drew thinking about heaven and hell and life i hope you'll enjoy it you can see in the picture that even in hell there's a little sun and god is there even with those people that are in hell Hmm. feel free to use the creation i made because i know in heaven everything good will be shared and i want to share this with the swedenborg foundation if you can use it Mm -hmm. yeah we're using it right now and she notes the word above physical life is earth but it didn't come through because it was written in gold so there you have the Mm -hmm. earth Ah, up there so cool to look at this in kind of a, a cyclical way and maybe this is a little bit like the you know, the, the, the oneness that you were describing, Chelsea, because even though these would be different planes of existence, we can see in this cross-section, mm-hmm. they're very much uh, one thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what, what do you guys, uh, how does this, what, what strikes you about it and what thoughts does it bring to mind? Uh, I love the black arrow of truth that it seems to be sort of this current encouraging the person up the, up the climb of that darker yeah. corner. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Karin, what, what do you, uh, what does it bring to mind for you? I just love the movement in it, the just like cycles of life. And uh, I see kind of going from birth, very innocent and close to heaven, um, downward <laughs> into that sort of rougher stage of life where you're figuring out who you are. But yeah, I love that curved arrow of truth, kind of guiding um, the person back upward through the door. And then there's the world of spirits there, the spirit world where there's, you can make your choice. Um, which direction, the heavenly direction or the hellish direction. And I love that she said, you know, put a little sun there in hell, just that the Lord doesn't forget or abandon anyone, not even the people in hell. And there's that Psalm that uh, Psalm 139, I think it is that says, even if I make my bed in hell, behold, you're still there. So love how she's put the presence of God in heaven and earth and hell and everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I like how the, the little <coughs> cell, the physical life, life on Earth, is a separate little green cell, but it's totally surrounded by um, the spirit, the spiritual world. 
Mm-hmm. So heaven is all there, all around it, you know, on up above there and hell below and yeah, uh, and all that access from the spirit world. Yeah. I like the, the circles and the movement that that suggests or implies. If you think about life can seem a little bit stilted or, or not like it's moving in this graceful arc. But when I think about like a marble rolling around the outside of those circles from one into the other, the transition of movement between those, it seems very much like, oh, it is part of this grand turning you know all the all the big cool stuff in life like the planets and the galaxies move in these mm-hmm. ellipses or circles or something like that so it's cool to think of our life having that same kind of energy in yeah it. it reminds me of the like um our show spirals of the spirit so that you know essential spiraling cycling sort of quality to to life and i love the contrast of the colors with the just black and white sort of pencil or ink drawn there's like a depth that that adds to it too that I'm really appreciating. So thanks very <laughs> much, Mary Richards. <laughs> if any of you watching at home have any thoughts, put them in the comment section. And uh, again, I uh, hope you're doing well, Mary, and thanks so much for reaching out. Okay. Awesome art. Yeah, let's, uh, all right, we've got our, our minds refreshed by imagery and art. Uh, let's see if that equips us to take on the challenge of this next question. <laughs> Sweden, Tacitus asks, Swedenborg in the Bible seems to indicate that humans are developing both individually and collectively through history. With technology making sin more accessible, mm. we seem to be going mm. backwards. Mm. Mm. Thoughts. Mm. Are we, is it like, mm. oh yeah, we're, mm. we have the internet. <laughs> um, so, yeah, how does that, oh, how does that wow, strike that's... you guys? Um, Karin, do you want to start with this one since I, you know you haven't gotten the opportunity? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think we're not collectively going backwards, even though things seem very chaotic right now and we're uh, aware. I think the, what the Internet does is makes us more aware than ever of everything going on in the world, both good and bad. And, of course, sort of the bad seems louder, just like it seems in our minds. But Swedenborg says that... Um, in order for evils to to be taken away, they first have to be stirred up and brought to the surface. And that happens to us individually in our lives, like stuff gets stirred up and then we, we have to deal with it and see it for what it is and make decisions about it. And I feel like that is happening collectively. Like a lot of stuff is getting stirred up and we're having to look at a lot of stuff, but we're also, uh, I think, becoming more aware of stuff than we have, um, you, you know, than we ever have. And that can be very painful, but it forces us to make decisions and, and, and think it through. And he, he, Swedenborg compares this to a, you know, a, a wound having to have the, the infection <laughs> come out of it before the healing can start. And so I think um, I, I like to look at it positively. I, you know, I, because you need to have hope. And I do believe in a a good future for humanity. And so I feel like we're just going through a lot of of things getting stirred up right now um, because we have to collectively take a look at it and and really understand and discern things and make decisions. Yeah, um, evils have to be seen to be removed popped up for me initially too. And because it seems like, according to Swedenborg, if you have the tendency or the desire for some kind of evil but just never have the opportunity or access that doesn't really do you any good like mm-hmm. i didn't didn't do it but because it wasn't there what's really powerful is this thing is available and yet 
I'm not interested. That mm-hmm. that is where you really get your soul is being forged yeah. in there. And mm-hmm. it seems that there's divine providence is always um, so many chess moves ahead that it allows <laughs> these things that you would think, oh, that's not a good idea. That goes against the yeah. principles that we're supposed to be going towards. But it's really like, oh, you didn't realize that you have to do this complex operation. Like, um, you know, if you're going to get something removed that's harmful on you, like, wait, don't cut me with a knife, but you got to, because then you <laughs> yes. can get it out and mm. stitch it up. And actually, you're in much better shape than you were before so um i am just so optimistic about where the human race is going Mm -hmm. i feel like man we're we we care about things now that we didn't nobody cared about for a million years before this uh even people's hearts are so much more uh sensitive in the, the the time we take to really learn what's good and evil i feel like we're in a good place but maybe i'm just naive but so what do you guys think I'm just going to hop on those coattails because I need a little more optimism. (laughs) (laughs) Blind optimism. I've just been wondering at the, like, like you say about the chess moves and everything, because human cultures are so diverse and this world is really such a huge place. It's like, it's, you know, God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts is sort of like, yeah, I can't even conceive of like, whole millions of people who are doing things and making choices in their lives that I know nothing about and I'll never know, you know, and I'm just glad if there are people that, you know, that care and continue to care and continue to strive for making the world a better place. You know, I just feel like that, that's just so um, important. So like what Karen was saying about there is a collective, so like there's a collectiveness to all of us together on this planet and, and we do need to make the decisions that are, you know, wanting to, you know, help the world. Um, but, but yeah, I think we'd be, we, I don't think we know enough to be able to say, or, you know, to make so large a claim as to say, maybe we're going backwards or something. It's yeah. like, no, there's too much that we don't know. I yeah. don't know. Right. You don't have good, good metrics on, yeah. we have a picture that we have of what we think people in the world are like. And we usually pull that from media because we, we don't know most yeah. of the people. Don't know I remember one time, <laughs> when I was at the pet store and I was buying some fish, like little pet fish, and the guy at the cash register was just really nice. And I thought to myself, like, I never remember these kinds of things about life. I'm gonna try to remember that this was just a really nice guy that Uh. I'm never gonna meet again. It just seemed like, and so I think that there's so much of that Mm. in the world that you can never pick up through your your media feed. So there could be that there's a huge, uprising in that sort of stuff but it, it'd be very hard to as you're saying keep tabs on that but thank you fish store guy yes <laughs> okay great question let's let's look at the next one this is from tech one who asks does swedenborg ever talk about how souls are made in other words where do we come yeah. from or the process of it good question good does. question <laughs> okay what does he say We'll just, mm, how our souls are made. I, I can just recommend that show our spiritual body. I think we've got a good, or I mean, it's your spiritual body. <laughs> yeah. Is the, what it's called. Yeah. Um, there's some interesting numbers. They're uh, pre-theological, or not pre-theological, just unpublished yeah. um, sort of draft works for divine love and wisdom. Swedenborg writes in very much detail about how the soul is made. Mm. That's right. Which we, is a fascinating thing. I remember us so reading over those and kind of pondering. Like, <laughs> when, Couldn't quite make when, sense of it. When but. is he talking physical and when is he talking yeah, spiritual? Yeah. He's definitely talking about both, but this sort of sounds like cellular development, yeah. but he's saying this is a spiritual It's easy component. to sort of make a little mistake. Yeah. 
So he says something. We don't know exactly something. what he says. So um, does he ever talk about it? Yes. Yes. And that that's he also talks about <laughs> initial phases of life in a person here are like the forms that are receptive to life, but then where when that when where that life comes from. What do you mm. think? I got nothing. Yeah. Well <laughs> sorry. They're just they're sorry, just Peck. straws. <laughs> but but yeah, again watch that show and then Karen's gonna fill us in on the rest of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> No pressure, huh? <laughs> I, I'm i just going to try to remember, because I have read fascinating things about this. And yeah, it's always when Swedenborg is talking really deep like this, it's hard to understand what he's saying. But I do remember, and we put this in our show, um, Does li- My Life Matter? That what we come from is a desire of God. Like we each are um, originate as a desire of God, a feeling of God. And that gets um, embodied in, uh, in a little person growing in the womb. And there is, like you guys were saying, there's, there's a, a physical body and a spirit or spiritual body being built at the same time. And it seems like uh, in the same sort of way, like gradually adding to it and it's getting bigger and taking shape uh, gradually. And then... Um, so that's this uh, vessel being formed, both um, a mind vessel and a body vessel, um, ready to receive, I mean, receiving life already, but ready to receive a, an individual consciousness. And um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know if I have anything I, I can add to that. That's as much as I can probably articulate. But as far as where we come from and where the soul comes from, that's... That's all I can say. I don't know if that was clear. Yeah. No, it was clear. That was great. And it's there is like a potential that we come from because I w- there was recently a news from heaven when I was trying to draw this picture of all... It's, heaven is made up of all the desires for what is good and all the perceptions of what is true. Right. Even though there's an infinite number, there's an infinite number of speci- like specific preordained things. Like there's, there's these different potentials that exist there. So uh, the person who's going to be born hundreds of years from now, their whatever is that like essence of their soul is in God right now. Um, mm. And so it's just waiting for the right receptive forms and then it can come through. And what the part of God the lo- or the way in which that person receives love and truth from God is different than it, they can pick up wavelengths that I can't pick mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. So in a way, like your soul's already there in God, but but it, it, before it's, but it's not a you, it's not in a person that's, as you were saying, separate and can be loved and, and be part of heaven, that it becomes this reflection of God. So it's like... Uh, what are we? We're this sort of marriage of of God and and reception. So, that's a, that's one more point to add. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that cleared that up. <laughs> All right, thanks for the question. Good let's, question. Let's good question. Let's look for the next one. <laughs> physically, how does the lowest hell look compared with the less evil mm-hmm. hells? Is there a physical barrier that prevents the most evil from crossing? into the lesser evil hells. And that's from Immortal Blue. Aren't we working Mm. right now on a show about what hell Mm. is like? Uh, There was one portion for that show that uh, there was a, Swedenborg writes a lot about hell. So if you want to do more of your own research, certainly heaven and hell, but then there's also a segment in certain volumes of Secrets of Heaven where he talks about hell as well and goes into the different kinds of hell. I think it's volume two. I, yeah, two, three, four, yeah. something like that. It spans a few volumes. Um, and uh, but 
there is one place fascinating that this person should ask this, that he talks about the gradations of hell and that they're all aligned in terms of like, there's, there's just perfect alignment to the way things are in hell. And he actually says that there's, you know, it's perfectly opposite to heaven. Um, and so is, so there's certainly, um, just as there are different levels of heaven. And we talked in the last good question show, I guess, about discrete degrees. Um, there is that in hell. Um, but, uh, but we're talking spiritual substance. So I don't, I don't think there's like a, a stone like a spiritual version of a stone wall between the hells or something what he was saying was like the only picture that it painted in my mind was like a sort of more flowing drop of like descending through levels of earth almost or something where the higher levels were less evil and lower but there's not really a fear of um the the hell's getting mixed up with each other or somebody ending up in the wrong community because they're all where they are precisely because of who, who they are and what yeah. they, what they love. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's what I have to say for that. Hell's definitely restrictive. He ta- often talks about these people were so dangerous that they're shut up in some certain hell. Sure. So there's gotta be, yeah, but, but I don't get well, those, are like those entrances like, to the yeah. world of spirits that he talks about. It's not necessarily, yeah, but it's not like, okay, a bunch of rocks are here. It could be more like, I know, I was just thinking of the heavens have this, it's not a hard barrier, but it's an atmospheric barrier. Almost right, that When you exactly. try to zoom up into a heaven that you're not ready for, you can't breathe. I would imagine there's something comparable going down. Mm-hmm. And then also I was going to say the light. He describes the different light. And I just saw this passage mm-hmm. a month ago, which was that in the lowest hell, the life, the light is like burning coals, whereas mm. the middle hell, it's something else, and the upper hell, it's something else. So there something. you go. Yeah, yeah. 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 something. None, like of it, none of it is real light. So, it's all kind yeah, of yeah. Something. Yeah. yeah. So, Cara, yeah. do you have any further thoughts? All I'm thinking of is, um, again, the questions keep coming up. I just keep thinking of boundaries and how important boundaries and and limitations are. And those things are very carefully monitored, I think, in the spiritual world. But uh, Chelsea, like Chelsea said, it's who they are that determines where they are. But just in the Bible, there's all this discussion of the boundaries of like the 12 tribes of Israel that yeah, go from here yeah. to there to here to there and not over yeah. there and over that river. And and I just, when I get into those parts, I'm just like, this is talking about real stuff in the human spirit. You know, like there's these important separations between things. And I, yeah. I just think that applies here too. Mm-hmm. Right. Boundaries make a difference. (laughs) The membranes we were talking about Yeah, the membranes, exactly. Great. Yeah, Karin, what do you think? Um, I think you guys have said most that I would have said. Um, I do do think, as far as appearance, Swedenborg will sometimes describe what appeared to be like giant rock that the very most dangerous evil spirits were underneath and they weren't allowed up because they were so dangerous. Um, But I think... I, I agree with what Curtis says that I think the, the reality is it's this, this atmospheric uh, sort of energy barriers, meaning uh, they can't cross from one atmosphere into the other because they, they couldn't breathe in it. They couldn't, um, they couldn't exist in it. And so that in itself uh, creates this protection between the layers. Um, so, yeah, I think that the layers of the hells would get, uh, in appearance, um, more and more hor- horrific looking <laughs> in in the light of heaven. 
um, but the protection is through these uh, the atmospheres of of spirit and and the way their minds are all working. And he he will make at times he'll give you just examples of each. I, another one that's on the tip of my brain, but not like accessible is he talks about the homes in hell and i think the lowest one they look like charred huts whereas up you, you can go up and it's a little less extreme and a little less extreme so immortal blue it's out there it's in the swedenborg <laughs> he does give you the, the yes, specifics right. but the problem is he talked about so much stuff that you're never going to be able to remember them so that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's so that's why we make shows yeah, about right. it that's and right there's one coming up later we do, this yeah. summer what is hell really like debuting this summer You'll see there. Okay, <laughs> great, cool. Let's do well, Let's do another one. Uh, Tanisha Tavares says, "In the spirit world, is the spirit world as challenging as this world? Wanting to do the right thing but being pulled in a negative direction. If that was your challenge on Earth, mm. yeah, another like, hey, what's up with this life? This sort of themed question. And well, yeah, what's the difference? Uh, and are is it is it sort of a rest or do we still have this?" this sort of uh, burden we can be pulling? Are we any, a little mm. more like fish rather than jellyfish? Here the jellyfish get pulled by whatever currents around. Mm. We have more agency mm. there. So uh, what do you think? My first thought is that um, it isn't going to be quite the same. I mean, because it's such an honest world, um, just what you think and love is what surrounds you. Yeah. And I think we're getting to learn about ourselves when we're there. Like with the removal of all the physicality and the cares of this world, we get to learn about ourselves. What what was the question? I'm losing it. Can we put it um, back up? Oh, so so wanting to do the right thing but being pulled in a negative direction. I I don't think it's quite the same kind of like equilibrium that we mm -hmm, have here. Mm -hmm. Um I I don't know. Yeah. Because we have somehow we have to just have a total freedom to take a look at our lives and what our loves are. Um, I don't know. Yeah, well, I, th I think it's m more um, progress oriented in the spiritual world that Swedenborg describes. Because he'll even say world of spirits is a little similar to here in that you're sorting things out. But yet he says. You never stay there more than 30 years, or it gets truncated down, so that the process is, is much quicker. And then, by the time you're heaven or hell, there's not this same kind of conflict in, in a major way. There are, I, I think that even though you could find these technicalities in Swedenborg where angels do go through cycles and things, I think the heart of that question is, I don't know about you guys, but I often feel like I'm just totally floundering. And it's mm -hmm. like, I made some progress, and then I slid back, and why Why am I, now why did, why did my washing machine break, and I have to fix, like, what does this have to do with anything, and, and why I'm tired? I think it's a little different than that. I think there's, there's more of a linear progress and, and less uh less of a burden more of like the excitement of we're doing something we're getting stuff done mm. yeah definitely i think just that we we do leave the physical world behind and so there really is a sort of weight i think swedenborg even talks about it that just physical matter and the concerns of this world and you know just the like we were talking about the sort of design and laws of the natural world of like, we need to think about what we're going to eat and we need to make sure that bill gets paid and we need to da da da, da all that kind of like concern, I think actually partly serves to root our 
spirits here while we are alive here doing whatever work we need to be doing here. But like, um, but that does go away. So there's just like an inherent peace. So an, a, a discrete degree of peace that we get in the spirit world. But I think you, in that, in that figuring out and the processing that happens in the world of spirits, um, there's, uh, you can still, I, I'm just thinking about the variety of experiences that people have and that you can live to different states of life. You know, everybody's process is going to be um, a little different. And I guess there is that great analogy of like, you're, it's like you're a piece of food that's going through the digestive tract and then you're eventually getting absorbed in serving the grand human body. Um, but so there is like, uh, so challenging. It's like we are going to be challenged, but it's going to be in a, in that, in a providential spiritual way. So it's not the physical, not sort of challenging yeah. of what happens on earth, but there might be something that feels challenging, especially in that process of, um, uh, you know, I mean, he talks about vastations and things like that of yeah. sort of spiritual processing that can be kind of intense, but it's, uh, there's a, there's more of a connect. It's almost, I feel like there's more peace to it because it's always, le- it's like, it's like having a good cry, you know, yeah. like, it's just like, it can feel hard, but it's like, you're, you, you just know it's good for you and it feels better afterwards. <laughs> like yeah. everything is more that way. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> you know? d- like just facing yourself, honestly, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. that. That's what the challenge is going to be. It's like, oh my gosh, is that really what I'm like? Is that really what I care about? Yeah. Um, uh, self-discovery it feels like instead sure. of more um more of the opportunities to choose it's more self-discovery about what you have chosen and yeah. in the presence of you know a stronger presence of divine love than yes, we can access yes. here yes, you know yes, so there's yes. sort of that backdrop no matter yes. what yeah karn what do you think yeah i think it will be a, a big discrete degree leap into uh process that's much more efficient thinking of the world of spirits and that parable Jesus told of the wheat and the tares um, part of what that's about is that after we die we we get this opportunity to have a big sorting out of what are our deeper core wants versus our very surface wants and um, I think the question involved you know being sort of wanting to do the positive direction, but keeps sort of getting pulled. We're not going to be um, in that conundrum anymore because it will be becoming, will be like the self-discovery Cara was talking about, will be finally getting really clear of what we really care about versus just this stuff that is, is surface and just sort of um, connect, very connected to the physical and very connected to um, um lower ego, but our higher self can, you know, now finally <laughs> assert itself. And one quote that is going to be included in a show uh, this summer about what happens immediately after you die, um, Swedenborg's talking about, <clears throat> you know, evil people go in this direction, good people. Um, but he says uh, that the evils that good people, so that means people who's at their core just care more about goodness than evil. Um, their evils are going to easily fall away and not come back because they were just really matters of heredity and things like that, that they hadn't become part of that person's 
core. So if if we're building um, a core of caring more about goodness um, than selfishness, um, it's it's going to be so much more efficient and easier in the afterlife. We're going to see things so much more clearly. It'd be like finally getting the diagnosis of like what what really needs to be done here and out of the confusion and uh, clear help from the angels. And it's, it's whatever processing we have to finish up in the world of spirits. Um, it will be just so much more clear and efficient and we'll understand why we're going through what we're going through. I think. Mm. I think there's, there's no question that, um, the physical can complicate our sense of moral progress. It, didn't Swedenborg yeah. when he was le, le, they let him know he he, he was going to die or something, and he said, "I shall finally be free of this sinful body" or yeah, something. Right. And yeah. I know that when I get hungry, I get more irritable. I didn't just degenerate there, and then I regenerate <laughs> as soon as I eat a snack. So there's there's yeah. certainly stuff here that complicates our, our sense that we don't really always know where we are. I think there we know. Uh, more clearly when there's not the physical world to get in the way. For example, we're here like chewing through the spiritual stuff and really having a good time learning about that, and we've got to stop because time's <laughs> up, right? Not because there's not more to talk about. So that's that's the hour. We did it. Thank you so much, everyone. <laughs> Everybody, Thanks for your questions. Yeah, great mm-hmm. questions. And if you want to help this kind of stuff happen, like and subscribe, please. That's what makes it go. We're going to play our asking for money video now. Don't <laughs> click away because this is how great this video. whole thing's happened. And after that, just one minute video, we're gonna give you a sneak preview of what's coming up on our channel. We want the ideas and insights we cover to be available for free to anyone, anytime they need them. That's why we offer Swedenborg's books as free downloads on Swedenborg.com. And we share all the content on our Off the Left Eye YouTube channel with no paywall or ads. The only way to keep this up though is for those of you who like what we're doing and feel comfortable giving to give. If the idea of helping others have easy access to the content we produce feels meaningful to you, please consider supporting this cause with a donation. You can go to otle.causevox.com and follow the prompts to give a one-time or recurring donation. We'd be honored to have you become part of our growing community of supporters who help these ideas reach and nourish thousands of people every week around the globe. Give if you can, receive if you need. If we cycle through this way, in the end, everybody wins. And thanks to all of you who have supported us and made this possible. And this is what you've made possible in the upcoming week. We are going to have our News from Heaven show coming up on Thursday. We'll be discovering how angels connect to you when you read the Bible. We also have our short clip series that pushes on, and we're going to have on Wednesday how goodness and truth affect how we appear in the afterlife, because that goodness and truth did well on the poll, as well as on Friday, where angels and demons once human. And then next Monday, we're going to be looking at how to change your spirit connections. And the following Monday, we will take a look at the curious case of Balaam and his talking donkey. <laughs> so how could live. you not want to turn, tune into all this stuff? It's been great hanging out with you all. Karin, thanks so much for being part of our panel tonight. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm. Great, great challenging questions tonight, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. We were just saying in, in the break that these were the hardest questions ever. <laughs> it's a good feeling. 
Um, yeah. And uh, thanks so much, Cara and Chelsea, for thanks, for spending some time. Great, great talking to you. Great talking to everyone it's out a there. Pleasure to be here. Have a great time and great, great, great. I just felt like I was saying great a lot. Good question. Great, good <laughs> questions. See you later. <laughs>